You're listening to Super Power Up with multidimensional master, superpower expert, and former counterintelligence agent, Tonya Donrekla. If you're ready to disrupt reality, then sit down, strap in, and prepare to experience the show that proves there is no spoon. Hello, everyone. This is Tonya Don Reckley, your superpower expert. And I'm so excited to have back on the show Jerry Teplitz. He is brilliant. And um, we'll put a link on the page for our previous interview so you can hear all about Jerry and what he's up to. And today I've asked him to come back on. We're going to talk about brain power, right? So, so we all kind of get this idea that thoughts become things and, and that, that our, our, our minds have, have this innate abilities and these powers that, that we're just just probably scratching the surface around. Um, and and that, that's phenomenal that, it, that that's entered into our collective consciousness, but, but so what, right? What are we doing with that? And, and why would we want to know that? And why would we want to, to use it? And what would we want to use it for? Um, those are the conversations that we're having here over Disrupt Reality. And so, so I've asked Jerry to come back on so we can kind of start to bridge that conversation for you and, and, and help you see where some of the areas are that we can focus on that, that um, kind of uplift this conversation even into a new stratosphere. And so, Jerry, thank you so much for coming back on the show. We're, we're delighted to have you back. Well, I'm delighted to be here. And by the way, my mom would love to have heard the word brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. So, so you know, we already know your superpowers from the previous interview. And if anybody wants a refresher, they can go back and listen to that. Um, I want to I wanna really talk with you today about, um, you know, how do we take this conversation? Like, it, it's almost, it, at least in my way, it's almost become superficial, right? Like, blase. Like, got it, thoughts become things. Or think and grow rich. Like, like it's almost become this, like, like oh, drink your milk, right? Like like we all we all drank the Kool Aid. We we bought into this notion, but but what do we do with it? And and so from your estimation, like why why is this such an important? I mean, you've dedicated a, a lot of your life's work into this. Like, what is it that why what, why is the brain so fascinating to you? Well, that's because it's uh, we live on the earth plane here, and our brain and our bodies are crucial for functioning on this plane, and. Uh, and a lot of what I do is I look at the research that's out there and uh, tie that into uh, the points that I want to make uh, for folks about how powerful they can really be. Because the notion is, from my standpoint, is you have your own personal energy system. And uh, an example uh, of how it operates, uh, Tonya, so now you're representing my audience. Uh, have you ever had a negative day at, uh, at work? A uh, negative day at work. No, but I have had negative moments okay. while doing my work. Okay. So there are, by the way, congratulations. First of all, there aren't very many people who could say that. Uh, and uh, most people, when, when they have a notion of a negative day, how did they feel at the end of it? They left feeling drained, tired, and exhausted. Uh, and then if you ask them, have you ever had a very positive day at work? And so now you can answer that one, Tanya. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a positive day every day. So yes, absolutely. That's my world. Good. And, and so you leave at the end of the day feeling how? Um, whole, expansive. Great. And a lot of people use the word energized when I uh, say that to an audience. Uh, and by the way, when I, it's the audiences that I speak to uh, 
will say on the negative day that they felt drained, tired, exhausted, and on the positive day they felt up and energized. And so that all that's very real because negative disaster days, you're actually physically, you're mentally, you're emotionally drained, you're drained and exhausted. Positive days, you're energized. Now, why does that matter? Well, when you go home to your family, you're going to have a bunch of hours of your own time. And on that negative disaster day, uh, how are people's relationships with their families, with their spouse, with their kids, with their loved ones, in effect, they don't have the energy for them. Versus on the positive day, you're leaving feeling energized. And so you have the energy for those relationships and to, to enjoy them and to take uh, uh, part in them. So that's kind of say, saying that there is a real impact on that. Plus, if you look at even at work, last four hours in a disaster day, how effective are people getting things done, accomplishing what they like to have, see happen? And the answer is not a pretty sight out there. But on a very positive day, that's all different because their energy is different. So what I'm looking at is their personal energy system and what can they do in effect to make the last four hours be ever uh, be very positive for themselves because that's using the mind and the body to actually create an outcome that impacts their whole life. And there's some interesting research I can share with you on optimists versus pessimists, if you like, uh, Tanya. Absolutely. So uh, the original study that was done in this area, one of the early studies, followed a class of Yale graduates through their entire lifespan. They found that people who lived longer, enjoyed life the most, stayed healthier, were the optimists versus the pessimists. They found optimists have three times less hypertension than pessimists. And the most positive optimists had the lowest level of blood pressure. They found optimists had 50% less cardiovascular disease than a pessimist. And if an optimist did have to go into hospital for heart problem, their survival rate over 15 years was 30% greater than a pessimist. And there's also a gene for dementia. And they found if people who have this gene but have a positive attitude about aging are 50% less likely to get dementia. So what I'm talking about is there's an actual life impact on what your attitudes are out there. Uh, another interesting study was looked at uh, Catholic nuns. In their teens and 20s, they had them write uh, their autobiography, you know, what, what was their life going to look like? And, and what they looked at were how many positive emotional words did they use in their writings? And they found the ones who used the most positive emotional words in their writing lived seven to 10 years longer than those who did not. Mm. So what I'm talking about is there is for each of us an impact that we would probably not normally suspect just from having an attitude about something? Well, I think some of that's perpetuated by society, right? Like we, we applaud the commiserating. We, we, we like the one-upsmanship of who's got the hardest gig and, and who's got the most things to feel put upon by. And, and that those are, those are common threads in communication in, in our societies, especially in developed countries where, 
you know, at the end of the day, we don't really have a ton of um, life-threatening things to concern ourselves with. Um, you know, so, you know, so so it's like, where do you harness? Where do you channel those energies? If we haven't learned how to integrate them and transmute them within ourselves, they're going to find somewhere somehow. Um, they'll find something to complain about. And when we go looking out at the world, we can find lots to complain about, right? Lots to be scared about, lots to feel put upon, lots to feel heavy about, dense about. Um, and so I love what you're talking about. Um, we're going to jump into a quick break. I want after the break, I want to dive into kind of the difference between low energy um, and, and high energy versus low frequency, and high frequency, because I think that we're circling around this conversation around density that um, that we love here in the superpower dialogue. But before we jump to break, Jerry, let's make sure people know where they can go to find out more about you. So uh, there's two online courses that I've created that rewire the brain in a very positive way. Uh, one is for people involved with internet marketing and the other is somebody who's a startup entrepreneur. So they, they're online streaming courses and they will blow your mind out. Uh, and so you can go to switchedoninternetmarketing.com or switchedonstartupentrepreneur.com. Dot com. So switched on internetmarketing.com or switched on startupentrepreneur.com and learn all about those two uh, classes. Awesome. Thanks, Jerry. Well, we're going to go to break, folks. We've been talking with Jerry Teplitz about brain power. When we come back, make sure you come back to after the break because we, we're going to dive into kind of, you know, applying this into the world of superpowers and how you can have these conversations without thinking that you always have to put on a happy face, even when you're not feeling happy, right? How do we reconcile that within ourselves? So stick with us and we'll be right back. Are you here to change the world? Do you talk about things like vibration, frequency, awakening, and consciousness? Are you pretty sure you have superpowers? The Superpower Net is unlike normal coaching programs and conscious communities. We provide training, intuitive guidance, peer-to-peer -peer learning, intensive one-on-one -on -one coaching, and a high vibrational network of people just like you. When you join the Net, you get 24-7 access to a collaborative group of people who support you as you master your personal power and unlock your superpowers. If you're ready to use your superpowers to change the world, then join the Superpower Net today. Visit superpowerexperts.com slash the net to learn more. Awesome, everyone. We're back. This is Tonya Don Reckley. You're listening to Superpower Up, uh, the Disrupt Reality Series. We have Jerry Teplitz on with us talking about brain power. Before the break, we got into some fascinating conversation around like what are the what's the science saying about positivity versus negativity and, 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 and optimism and all this fun stuff? And so um, one of the conversations, Jerry, that, that I, ha I find myself having often with people is that, that we mistakenly take that information and we think that, oh, well, I'm supposed to always be happy or someone says, oh, how are you doing? But I feel like if I'm sick or I feel frustrated or I feel some fear or, or I, I'm, I'm in mourning because someone has passed that that somehow I'm supposed to still say, oh, I'm great, everything's great, everything's lovely, right? And it feels very disingenuous. And so how do you help people reconcile that? So it's not that you can't have bad moments. The question is, how long do you live in the bad moment? Uh, and so uh, one of the teachers that I had said, life is kind of like a pendulum swinging back and forth from the negative side to the positive side. And it actually, uh, even in, in people who are involved with uh, spiritual growth kinds of things, the pendulum never stops swinging, but it starts swinging less and less. And it gets to the point where in a millisecond, 
you can change what happened that was negative and in effect experience it differently so that uh, it's not to not have it, but what do you do about it when it happens? Well, what we talk about here is we talk about the fact that actually they can be happening simultaneously and and it and 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 being okay sitting in the contradictions within ourselves and ultimately the choice you know at least at least in our, in our teachings is that which aspect of yourself are you choosing to identify as because we're always you know if, if we and you you mentioned the spiritual growth thing and that's kind of where this kicks in in, in our estimation is that you know we we are always if, if we truly get on some level that we are aspects of the divine, like if that is our belief system and we, and we, and we embody that here on some level, that aspect of us wants and needs for nothing. And it is always in complete perfection. And at the same time, we have all of these other experiences happening. We, we operate in, in different frequencies. And so we've got these other things going on where it can also be true that life looks kind of crappy right then, you know? And so it's like, how do you, you know, and, and we're trained, I think, to give voice to the very, um, like I talked about before the break, the commiserating piece, the the wallowing in it, the, oh, I don't feel well, or I'm getting sick or all of these things. And I think it's speaking to what you're talking about around what then happens in our bodies when we continually identify as that for longer and longer periods of time. There was, um, back in World War II in the concentration camps, I don't remember the author's name in the book that he wrote, but it, there was a gentleman who was in the camps who started observing as to who was surviving and who was not. And what he found is it was, you know, you're talking about a horrendous, 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 beyond imaginable experience, but that the people who had a positive attitude are the ones who survived the concentration camps and those who did not succumb to it. And so, so they're, they're in the middle of where you, you would say, yeah, it's okay for you to think you're in hell because you were in hell mm -hmm. and you stayed in hell for years, yet they had something inside them that let them look in a different way at that experience. Well, and that's where people always take it, right? They're like, okay, great, I get it. Like, life is abundant, and we have all these opportunities, and everything's wonderful and love. But then, look, why are these children starving? And why is this happening? And why did this did the shooting just happen at this school? And and that's that's the identification piece. And so, the you know, there really is a deep conversation in that of like, how do you witness things or experience things even in this human form and still hold to these? Um, kind of higher level, optimistic, higher frequency kind of belief structures. Like how can you see beauty in something as horrific as a concentration camp? You know, how do, how do, you, um, how do you address that? How do you guide that in, in your doctrine? Well, it's uh, one of the things we do is uh, we um, I'm involved with this area called Brain Gym, and that's uh, movement exercises that were originally created with for, uh, with for children and adults with learning disabilities. We can take D and F graded students, give them the capability of becoming A level students in a semester just by using movement. And there's an aspect of it that allows you to take that negative thought, that negative situation that's kind of uh, really hitting you and, and uh, in two minutes, at least get rid of the charge attached to that thought. So you're not getting rid of necessarily being able to think about the situation, but the charge 
is changed. So mm -hmm. that, which actually then opens up other possibilities you might not have even thought of in terms of how are you going to handle something? How are you going to uh, resolve something? Because when the negative type of thought is, is uh, pressing you down, you don't see any other option as to how to be. And so getting rid of the charge attached to that thought lets you then make other choices. So yeah, with, with what you're talking about, there, there's death and there's destruction all around us all the time. And uh, it's a question of where you focus on it and how long you focus on it. So for example, uh, with death of, of a loved one, it's not to say don't be uh, saddened by that. Don't go through the grieving process, but it becomes then how long do you need to grieve? Well, and, and what's so? Oh. And that's not saying that there's a time limit on it, but that there's some choices there. It's kind of like uh, uh, a couple who get divorced, and uh, and one of them. 25 years later is still angry at the other one for the divorce. So they spent 25 years of their life being pissed off about something that's not going to change. It's an event that happened. Mm. And so that's not to say they shouldn't have had any feelings about it when it happened, but at some point life moves on. Yeah. Well, and I love that we're talking about this because I'm crafting, we're in the middle of a lot of conversations around anxiety, right? Like, like nobody's being quiet about the fact anymore that, um, you know, in this country alone, we have some of the highest anxiety rates and stuff. And, and I suspect, so this is my, my new, I'm crafting my new soapbox around this. Um, but I suspect that a big part of what's happened is, is that um, a lot of us operated off of the misconception that if we simply accomplished more and got more and, attained more than then we were going to be happy and that then that the stressors of survival would kind of dissipate and all of a sudden um life would be great and i know that from my experience in my life like there was this um for a long time there was this this questing this seeking and it was like checking box after box it you know first i thought it was oh i have to you know accomplish really well in school and so you know i, I got my graduate degree and then it was like well I, I have to find the perfect job and so i was a spy and so i said i'm checking all these boxes and it's like wait there's still something that's not feeling full within me. Like when then I get married and then I have a kid, like it's like, I pretty much have checked all the boxes at this point um, only to discover that what I was seeking was something else entirely. And I think that that's the biggest misconception of, um, you know, Maslow's hierarchy is the sense that we can address all of our needs and stuff like that. But there's an internal process that occurs that if we haven't developed the muscles, if you will, or the techniques internally, to manage things like that fear that initially exists to keep us alive, right? The fight or flight. But if it's, if it's left untempered, it, it will find anywhere. And, and what happens in, in developed countries is like, we're no longer having to you know, necessarily fight for our survival. What do we do with that energy? Where, where does it go? And it creates this perpetual state of, um, discontent, like your example about the divorce, like we can always find something. I mean, that's a great example. That's an easy one to kind of be like, yeah, you should be upset. Like you got divorced, like all these things happen and look at all the ways that he or she treated you and, and, and whatnot. And it's easy for our minds to, to hold on to that because we feel justified in it. Um, rather than looking at what are the internal processes that I'm, I'm, I'm using and, and um, reinvigorating over and over and over again to create this perpetual state of, of discontent 
and and it creates the densities in the bodies. And, and in our estimation, that's what. And we we don't have the proof in the lab to, to back this up, but we're seeing the empirical evidence of, you know, that's what creates the the diseases in the body and the the mental illnesses and and, and all kinds of other things. Like you're talking about, the studies are showing even between pessimism and optimism things like dementia, you know, and, and that, that those are, are um, contributing factors. And so I think we're starting to get kind of get that it's not enough just to fix the quote unquote problems of the world, right? Even if we resolved poverty, let's say magically we could wave a wand and it's gone. It doesn't change the fact that all of us are programmed to have these internal structures that are um, designed specifically for fight or flight. Well, what happens when we get rid of the stimulus that is a real threat? We, well, we, we start conjuring them right everywhere. Um, and so I think um, I think there's some tie-in here with with the conversations that you're having in the, in the mind space. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, there was uh, uh, some research done on the uh, uh, happiest uh, countries in the world, and uh, uh, there were places like um, uh, Finland and Italy, Norway. Netherlands, Denmark, Sweden, New Zealand, Brazil, uh, so that uh, there are places that are actually uh, examples uh, of, uh, of happiness that, that could be out there. Uh, the U.S. is about uh, 33 on that list uh, of countries. And it turns out that uh, a number of those countries are the Scandinavian countries, where they, they actually, and this is where people, I think, need to redefine notions of, like, uh, people get upset in this country about the word socialism. Mm -hmm. uh, those are socialism-oriented countries, but they also perform well from a uh, capitalistic standpoint in terms of the businesses and things that, that uh, operate come out of there. But what they've created is where people um, feel taken care of. Uh, and that that makes for a happy place. In this country, it's called, uh, like with uh, the difficulty with medical expenses and uh, retirements, and uh, people don't feel taken care of at all. And with that, uh, it makes it harder uh, for people to maintain that level of, of happiness uh, mm -hmm. when they're looking at evictions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think that you're absolutely spot on with that. Well, Obviously, we're just scratching the surface, folks, on where a lot of this can take us. But, but at, from a personal standpoint, you know, a, you start looking at where you're leaning into perhaps some old patterns, some old maybe even the fight or flight kind of things where you're in, immediately when you're in a situation. I, I see it a lot in social media, honestly. Like, like there, social media is causing so much angst for a lot of people because it, what it's doing is it's triggering that that um, feeling inside of us that we have to make a decision. Like we have to know how we feel about something. We have to have an opinion about it. We have to decide, do we like this? Do we not like this? Are we in agreement? Are we not in agreement? And what we're doing really is we're going, does this threaten me in some fashion? Does this person believing this or thinking this or perpetuating this somehow threaten me? And it puts us in this immediate, like, like I just watch people when they're on social media and their reports about it and how they feel about it. And you can tell how confident somebody is in their reality based on their relationship with social media. And it's um, it's super fascinating sociological experiment to just kind of be in witness to all of this. And but but pay attention to that, folks. Pay attention to where your body or your mind is giving you signals that that you feel somehow threatened in an environment. And it may be subtle. 
that may be very subtle, but but that piece then starts to craft a whole story around it and, and, and gathers up the emotions around it and finds um, contributing information and, and, and justifiable, um, you know, excuses and all this kind of stuff that starts to churn and, and create this version of reality that justifies you being miserable. I mean, that's how this happens. And so, so, you know, pay attention to what Jerry's talking about. If you're, you know, if you're in the, the entrepreneur space, check out his programs and make sure that you're not bleeding that over into your businesses. Like you can't really create a business that's set out to change the world and do things differently. If, if you're operating off of old programs that are perpetuating misery, it's not going to happen. And so if you're kind of the, the, the one that's driving that train and you haven't looked internally um, to yourself, then, then, then let's start taking some responsibility for that. Um, we have programs here at Superpower Experts. The Superpower programs are designed exactly for the change agents. If you know that you're here to have an impact on the world and some of this stuff is hitting a little close to home for you, you probably want to get some assistance with it. So check out Jerry's material, check out our stuff, but make sure that you're leaning into the folks who are saying, look, this matters. Like we're not going to brush it under the rug. We're going to tell you like, pay attention to this stuff because I think with some of the stats and the information that Jerry has shared, there's really good reason for you to start looking at what may be just kind of your mind on autopilot. Um, but let's see if we can't maybe um, enjoin our minds and our brains to participate in this bigger vision and this, these bigger versions of ourselves that we, that we also desperately want to live here. Um, Jerry, any last closing thoughts for our audience before we go? Well, just that um, we're the ones individually who have to make a choice as to which side of the coin we're going to be facing most of the time. And, <laughs> so, and that's a decision that uh, the notion of optimist versus pessimist is, is a very real decision that has outcomes for you. So uh, mm. make the right decision or else. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and so, again, if people want to uh, learn more about uh, those two courses I have online, if you're involved with internet marketing, it would be switched on internetmarketing.com, switched on internetmarketing.com. And if you're in startup entrepreneur mode or interested in that, it's switched on in switched on startupentrepreneur.com, switched on startupentrepreneur.com. Well, and I will tell you, I get the extreme delight of seeing Jerry periodically when we teach together at CEO Space, and nothing is better than a hug from Jerry and just knowing he's in the world and doing his things and he's delightful. So if you have a chance to connect with him, make sure you take advantage of that. Um, he, Jerry, you're magical and we love you and we just love your perseverance in this body of work that you're in the middle of and how fully you give of yourself to it. It's truly a delight. Well, thank you. I, I really appreciate that uh, acknowledgement. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Beautiful. Absolutely. To all of you out there, as always, we appreciate your loyalty. Thank you so much for listening. Tell your friends about the podcast. We're upwards of a million downloads a month right now, so which is super exciting. And um, and they just keep growing. So so we love the um, the viral nature of this. And we love that people are saying we want to hear good things that make us feel good about ourselves and are doing good in the world. So let's keep at that, folks. And until next time, go out, uncover your superpowers, and change the world. Take care, everyone. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today.